Hello, Money Multipliers. Welcome back to another episode of the Money Multiplier Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Kessler, and we ask ourselves, do our dollars make sense? So today I am out here in Tuscan, Arizona. All right, I'm just playing. Don't come after me, people. We're over here in Tucson, Arizona right now. I'm actually at a a national park, and uh, I I just love it out here. It's so nice in the morning times, and the sun is always shining and so bright. And I mean, just look around. There's so many cacti out here and the big mountainous tops behind me. So it's going to be a really good day. So I'm actually headed over to... um, I'm going to Pima County Fairgrounds. There's a festival going on, so I'm gonna be spending my weekend out there and uh, camping in the desert for a few days. So in today's episode, I told y'all, keep giving me comments on the YouTube channel because I will go through and I will make a whole episode regarding your YouTube comments. So that is today's episode. We're gonna be getting into it here today. Um, But a real quick announcement for some of my folks who now some of y'all know because I've been telling you one-on-one when we're chatting on the phone together but put this in your calendar so save the date May 9th to the 11th Nashville Tennessee May 9th to the 11th I'm going to be holding our annual three-day live money multiplier mastermind so a lot of people have been asking me Hannah when are you going to have another one that event was so fun it was great I was able to connect with like-minded people so when are you going to have another one of those So it's coming up this year. We're going to be doing the live three-day. I'll be there. Chris Noggle will be there. Pops will be around. I even got Jason Sipple, Joseph Kovacevic. We call him Mr. Heloc on the team, if y'all don't know. And then even our mapping team, the application team. I mean, come out and come join us and see us live and in person so you can really match up the faces to the names of who you've been connecting with and chatting through all of this whole process of you setting up your infinite banking policy, um, going through the implementation services that we do for all of our money multiplier members. Because reminder, y'all, that's a free service that we do for all of our members who hold a policy with us. Just like Nelson Nash says, and I say this a lot, it's all about the process of your banking and not so much about the whole life policy or product itself. So, Let's dive in here today. Now, I'm working off of my phone here, and I have a few uh, YouTube comment questions, and let's kind of dissect them, and let's get into it. So, a gentleman by the name of Patrick Davenport, he commented, if a policy were to be overfunded, wouldn't it then be a mech? I would think it would be maximal, maximally funded or fully funded. The overfunding term seems contradictory to avoid a mech. Help me out, please. So for some of my folks who don't understand what a mech is, mech is just an acronym for modified endowment contract. So really what it is, it's an IRS tax law that the government placed back in June of 88. And this mech law basically states whether a policy contract is deemed a taxable event or not. So 
we always, always, always want to keep the policy underneath those MEC limits because we don't want to start causing taxable consequences inside of the policy. I mean, that's really why we want to put dollars through the policy is because we want to grow our wealth in that tax-free environment and the government is completely out of our hair. So how I kind of want y'all to picture it too, I, I say this a lot, this mech limit, just think about it as like an imaginary line inside of the policy. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to overstuff the policy and go over that imaginary line. Because if we do, then the government now, they're going to start looking at the policy as an investment rather than an insurance contract. And that's why they deem it a taxable event. So th this gentleman here, he's saying, if you were to be overfunding a policy, wouldn't it be a mech? And the answer really is no. I mean, honestly, there are ways if you design your policy like how Nelson Nash designs his in his book, Becoming Your Own Banker, where 40% of it goes to the base and then 60% goes to the paid up edition riders, you are not going to hit that mech status. Now, if somebody comes to me and let's say that they want to do a dump in inside of their policy, sure, that could hit us at that mech status and really start causing some taxable events. And just real quick, what a dump in is, right? Some of you folks, you guys know what dump ins are, or some people like to call them lump sums into the policy. But, you know, let's just make believe that you have a cash bucket. And this cash bucket, maybe it's an investment payout. Maybe you sold a property. Maybe you are closing out that 401k because you're listening to us and you're thinking, yeah, you're right, Hannah, my dollar is worth more today than what it will be in the future. So why tie up my money and I'm just kicking the can down the road on these taxes I got to pay anyways. So what a dump in is, is people will say, hey, you know, I got this cash bucket here and let's just make believe that I have $50,000. Hannah, I want to get this 50000 inside of the policy because I understand the importance of funneling it through there first. But Hannah, you know, I know I'm not going to keep doing 50000 every single year. That's just not comfortable, not feasible for me. So, however, I do kind of feel more comfortable doing a thousand a month or twelve thousand a year. So what you can do is you can design a policy year one putting in that dump in and then year two drop down the premiums to that lower ongoing more comfortable deposit. So with these dump ins, yeah, you may cause some tax consequences if the policy is not designed properly. And there's ways to manipulate that mech limit so that you can put in that lump sum, that dump in inside of the policy and not cause tax consequences. And how we do that, it's by adding on a term rider to that policy. So this guy is saying, well, hey, overfunding the term kind of seems contradictory to avoid the mech. And 
no, it's not. Because we got to understand that the MEC limit and the death benefits really play hand in hand together. How this MEC limit is really determined, it's determined by making sure that the death benefit is high enough so that this policy is being purchased for the purpose of death benefit life insurance rather than just overfunding the cash value and using it for reasons that really the government doesn't want us to be using it for. So now I do agree, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of term, I'll just be honest with you, but if it makes sense, if it makes sense to accomplish the needs and the goals of what we're looking to do, whether it's investments we want to go make with the policy, if it's large purchases like weddings, vacations, houses, cars, etc. You know, then it could make sense to do that dumping and pay for that minimal cost of the term to be able to get all of that dollars into the policy and not hit the tax consequences. So and, and here's actually what Chris Noggle says. He's always in the back of my mind when I'm talking about term. He says, well, hey, you know, what matters the cost of the shovel if you're digging for gold? And I agree with him. Now, there has been instances where I've came back to some of my folks and I said, you know what, Mary Smith, you're going to be doing this large, large dumping and you're about to be paying out the wazoo for this term rider that hopefully we never see the death benefit on because it's just renting that death benefit for that 7, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, however long that term rider is on the policy. So maybe it just may not make sense for you to add on this large of a dumping. Let's maybe back it down just a little bit, back down the dumping amount or increase your ongoing premium so now you're just not paying out the wazoo for all of this term insurance that hopefully you never see so now this term rider i mean honestly how i like to design the policies is i'll have that term rider be attached for the minimal amount of time possible which is anywhere from seven to ten years depending on the insurance company that you're obtaining your policy through so I, I, I think term makes sense in some scenarios. Does it make sense for everybody? No. I mean, the whole Kessler family and all of our policies, we don't have any term on our policies. I mean, we're just not putting in large, large dumpings like that because I always walk into the mindset with my policy that I kind of overshoot my premium just a little bit because if I overshoot it, Number one, I'm following Nelson Nash's rule of don't be afraid to capitalize. And number two, in the back of my head, I know if I ever come to a financial downfall, I can always reduce down my premiums for that set amount of time. And then when my cash flow starts to allow, I can start paying back in up to my said premium or AKA for all of my analyticals listening to me, reducing down my premium to just that base only. And then when I'm ready, I I can start paying into my paid up edition riders. Now, for my people watching on YouTube, it's a little windy over here, so you'll kind of see the camera shaking back and forth just a little bit, so I apologize. This is nature. We're out here in nature today, so just bear with me for this episode. Okay, moving along. There's someone else who commented on one of my videos, 
uh, their username is invest5559. If the economy collapses and the currency is reset, meaning that our US dollar, our fiat currency, goes to zero buying power, how are the insurance companies going to respond? In other words, IBC private banking is a safe harbor from the banking system, the Federal Reserve, but they are still using the dollar as a currency. If it crashes, what would happen with our policies then? So, this individual is kind of like myself. They're a doomsday type of person, which I agree with you. I'll be real with y'all. In my lifetime, I'm going to be purchasing some land and some property, and I'm going to be making a bunker in my backyard one of these days. I'll just be real with you. That's, my, that's the type of person I am. I think you got to be aware of what's going on in the world, and if, pardon my French, but if shit hits the fan, you got to make sure that you are protected in all areas. So for this person, my response to you would be, you know, well, hey, money is always going to be here. There's always going to have to be a currency here, whether it's us going to the digital dollar, which go back to my crypto uh, episode. And I talk a little bit about that and how uh, the SEC is kind of coming out with some new laws and making crypto and digital currency a a asset that you can trade I guess I should say and you know so for this person it's almost like how I think back to when we went to the digital banking era you know how everything went electronic so that happened back in the early 90s I want to say I want to say it was like 93 or something like that I'll have to go fact check myself but you know how everybody we went to this mobile digital banking and back then everybody was so up in arms about this mobile banking no i don't want to go to mobile digital banking i'm going to be seeing my money show up in my online account on my computer that just seems crazy but let's fast forward to where we're at now in 2024 y'all do you ever see yourselves going into a commercial bank unless you absolutely have to you absolutely have to take out a large cash withdrawal or maybe you have to open up a new checking or savings account i mean even then you could do everything online at this day and age so for this person you know if really worse comes to worse and kind of where we're headed yeah we may be going to like a total digital currency and we may not be having that fiat money anymore so what's going to happen is all of those u.s dollars are just going to get traded in and now it's just going to be exchanged over to this digital currency that we have now i don't know i may see it in my lifetime because y'all as you know i'm very young i'll be 25 this this year so I may be seeing it in my lifetime but for my folks who are 50 years old plus I'll be honest I don't know if y'all are going to be seeing it within your lifetime I mean yeah your children your grandchildren could be seeing that happen but I just don't see this happening for a long, long time because you still need cash for some things. I mean, I was just out here. There's a food truck on the side of the road. And I said, ooh, that looks kind of good. I'll stop there and I'll grab myself a little food. And they don't take credit cards, right? Because y'all know I like to pay everything on a credit card, get my cash back, get the flying miles and all those perks. And so they said, hey, we don't take credit cards. We, we only take cash. Well, 
what is going to happen when these businesses, these small businesses have to transform to the new digital age? I mean, it may happen and we may see that, but I don't know. I feel like it's not going to happen for some time. And this is why I always stress the importance that it's very important to diversify, 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 diversify. And how I want you all to think about it is, is that IBC, the infinite banking concept is just the foundation to all of your other assets that you like to go put your money into. Invest in things that you like, know, and understand. And if you ever read a book, um, his name is Robert Murphy. He read a book, he wrote a book called Money Mechanics. And he talks about how, you know, back then he was talking all about the bartering system. And then it went to the gold standard and how people were trading gold and silver, copper, or commodities like oil and gas for other resources. So it's just important that you diversify into these other asset classes because, yeah, I mean, anything could happen. I could be sitting here right now and a big alien could come up and just abduct me out from out of outer space. Anything can happen. So I think it's just important that you use your policy to go and invest into those different asset classes. I mean, we own a lot of gold and silver. I'll be honest, my dad is not very lovable of it just because he's the type of person that he likes to have that cash flow coming through the family each and every month and you know gold and silver just kind of sits there yeah it can go up in value if you sell it or trade it in and it will go up as time goes on I mean it goes up and down in value but it doesn't create that passive income stream that's coming into the family and so that's why dad's just not a huge component or so gung-ho about gold and silver but I mean we own it because God forbid if we need that for bartering I mean we got it so that would be my advice to invest 5559 is is that diversify okay and you can't act out of a scarcity mindset just prepare yourself prepare yourself and your family and diversify into those different things all right here's another comment I'm not even going to try because I think this is just a whole bunch of random uh, letters here of your username. But they said, so totally confused. 20000 a year is roughly 1000 Let's just call it 1600 Now let's just start from the top. So I'm totally confused. 20000 a year is roughly 1600 a month in funding to the policy, yet more than 50% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Just trying to understand this impacts potential low-income earners, or is this more for high-income earners? And I love this question. So thank you, individual, for commenting this, because I think it's a very good point. So... Actually, if you go to our website, themoneymultiplier.com, you will notice that right there on the homepage, and, and dad used to say this all the time, hey, it doesn't matter if you make $10 an hour or $10,000 an hour, this concept will work for you. And I believe in it. Yes, number one, you got to go back to the first step of budgeting and making sure that there's more money left over at the end of the month and you're not spending everything. So go back to one of my episodes where I talk about, hey, what would I do if I was making 50000 a year? And I talk a little bit about that. But I agree with you. I mean, 
people are out there living paycheck to paycheck and this is kind of why I don't hate Dave Ramsey or Susie Orman in this aspect I think they're very great at teaching people to live below their means what Nelson Nash calls don't hit that Parkinson's law you know you got to be living within your means and not spending every dollar that flows through your hand or you're just never going to get out of that financial hamster wheel that you're finding yourself in right now so for this person no you don't got to start off the first policy at $1,600 a month are you kidding me when I was 18 years old and I was a waitress at Cracker Barrel do you think I had an extra $1,600 a month to put into a stupid life insurance policy hell no so where I started is where I was comfortable at at that time and I always tell y'all the minimum to start your policy is 10 times the age 10 times the age on a monthly premium so if you're tuning in and you are 45 years old your minimum to design the policy properly for this concept is $450 on a monthly premium, 10 times the age. And just a reminder, because I'm thinking about it, you know, you can do monthly premiums, you can do quarterly, you can do twice a year, or you, you can even do annual premiums. So you get to choose that monetary amount and you get to choose the mode or the frequency of how often you want to deposit into your policy. So if 20,000 a year is too uncomfortable, no, do not start there. So here is my advice to people starting this concept. When you start your policy, this is nothing more than just the glorified savings vehicle. So there's two ways that I would really look at it. Number one, I follow an economist, his name is Ray Dalio. And Ray Dalio teaches us that we should be saving at least 10% of our income. So if somebody's making 25,000 a year, you should be saving at least $2,500. If somebody is making 100,000 a year, you should be saving at least $10,000. So follow that 10% rule and that 10% should be the premiums that are flowing through the policy. So start there. Or what I like to do personally is I'll match up my premiums best to my net cash flow situation. You know, so like let's just make believe I'm profiting 10000 a month. I'm profiting 10000 and my expenses are 6000 well, why am I leaving that leftover four down at the local bank where the bankers are the ones making the profits off of my money? You know, start by shifting that, that keeping, that savings money. That should be the dollars that are flowing through the policy. So for this individual, no, it's not just for high income earners. For low income earners, you can do this. I mean, heck, my niece even is starting her first policy in four years from now, and she's following that 10% rule. So because you got to be 18 in order to own a policy. So that's why I say four years. So Tori is 14 years old right now. Um, but man, she is a hustler. She, so she helps my older brother in his business 
house running the property management business down in uh, South Florida. So um, uh, it's on North Captiva Island. Go check that island out, y'all. If y'all are looking for like a vacation space, it's a really cool place. But they run a property management business down there. Tori is helping out, getting the guests settled into their home. They do the grocery shopping for all the guests because it's an island. You can only get there by a ferry or a small airplane. So you got to prep for it. There's no grocery stores on the island. There's two restaurants on the island. So it's a definitely like a destination spot just to get away for a week or so. So, you know, Tori's working over there. She also does some business for me as well. I, she's kind of like my personal assistant. I'm kind of training her in this whole world. So some of y'all may have heard from Tori. Um, I call her my professional nagger. <laughs> so if y'all aren't getting back to the application team or maybe the mapping team is reaching out to y'all and uh, it's your quarterly meetings update and you're just not getting back to them, you're going to hear from Tori. But, uh, but, you know, what she's doing is the money that she's making right now, she has a separate savings account that she will go and put that 10% in. So then when the time comes, when she's 18 years old, I'm going to tell her to close out that savings account and I'm going to tell her to start her first policy with what she's been contributing already inside of that savings account. It's just now, instead of it going to that normal savings account down at the commercial bank, now she's just going to be putting those deposits into her bank i.e the policy and she's really going to be building up the wealth over there i mean that's exactly how i got started and that's why i'm just passing along the knowledge to my niece and my nephew because i just got two my niece and my nephew and I really want them to be set up financially and just have those good money habits. If you really think about it, y'all, this whole concept, it's all about mindset. It's all about your mindset and your habit of how you are implementing your day-to-day -day life in the banking activity, the saving activity, your spending activity of what you're doing in your life. So for this person... Don't start at 20000 a year. Oh my gosh, I didn't even start at 20000 a year. My brother just started his second policy and now he's doing 20000 a year from both of those policies. He did not start there. I mean, my father, who was a very successful chiropractor, he started his first policy 2000 a month just because that's all he could afford at the time. He couldn't even afford to do annual premiums, but he knew that he had to get started started into this because something had to change with him being in almost a million dollars of debt he says you know what something's got to change I don't want to be living in this debt cycle this financial hamster wheel forever and ever so I'll leave it this comment with this last statement it doesn't matter how much you make it only matters how much you keep right so I want you to be keeping the money that you're already making. And this is where this concept truly comes into place because you got to be keeping the dollars and the money that you're already making. And I'm looking down right now because actually there was this image that was posted on our Money Multiplier Facebook page. And I kind of want to, I think it really resonates with this uh, question here. It was uh, a quote by a gentleman named Warren Buffett. Y'all know who Warren Buffett is? He says, do not save what is left after spending, but spend what is left after saving.
And you know what that tells me? That tells me you should be paying yourself first. I don't even know y'all, but I know what you do with your money. What you do is when you get money in through the doors, I don't care how you make the money. You get money that comes in through the doors, then what do you do with it? You go out there and you pay everybody else first. You pay the house people, the car people, Bobby's soccer practice, Susie's piano lessons, and you just hope that there's more money left over for you. You got to stop that. You got to start treating yourself as your number one asset and you got to be paying yourself first. And then you go pay everybody else next. I'm going to say the quote one more time. Do not save what is left after spending, but spend what is left after saving. Y'all got that? All right, let's move on. So this next one is kind of like a two-part question. So it's a it's a gentleman. Now he's got a funky little username too with a whole bunch of letters and numbers here. So I'm not going to call this person out directly. But they say, "Hi Hannah, if I'm able to repay my policy loan immediately rather than let's say a monthly basis, is it better to continue repaying the loan monthly with interest or to repay it in one lump sum immediately?" Thanks. So let, let's just cover that just real quick, and then I'll, I'll comment on somebody who responded to this comment above. But, I mean, really the answer is, what are you using the money for? Okay, so like for this individual, you know, if you are using your policy loan money, and let's say that you take out the policy loan, and you are going to go out and purchase yourself a car, yeah, I want you to treat your money just how you treat the banker's money. Pay yourself back on a monthly basis and charge yourself interest. Treat the money just how you treat the banker's money. But let's say that we're using this money and we are going to go out and purchase an investment with it. Then really? No, I'm not paying back my policy loans. All I'm going to do is at the end of the year, I'm just going to pay the loan interest on the policy. Just at least, at least, at least, at least pay the loan interest annually and then keep using the loan money. So it, it's not a requirement because reminder, the principal of the policy loans, they never have to get paid back, right? Because all a policy loan is, is it's nothing more than a prepayment of the death benefit. So that's why it's not required because at the end of the day, any outstanding loans would just get subtracted from the death benefit at the time of our passing. So which one is better? I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to this. I don't think anyone is better. It really just comes down to what are you using the money for? If you're going out and making a purchase or an expense, then yeah, treat it just like any other bank loan. Pay it back, charge yourself with interest. And this is the freedom of it because do you really have to pay it back the first of the month? And if my policy does not get that policy loan money back on the first of the month, am I going to get penalized in some way? No, right? Because you are in control of the transaction. This is the freedom now of you being your own banker. I would rather be in debt to myself rather than some other financial institution who can come and seize whatever collateral that I gave to them. So, 
again, I, I think it's just all what you're using the money for because for investment side, no. I mean, sometimes I don't pay the policy loans back because okay, insurance company, if you're gonna charge me 5% at the end of the year to use your money, I'm just going to take this money and I'm going to go place it into other active investments that I like, know, and understand, whether it's private lending. Um, I actually just got into an investment fund here recently. I put dollars over there and I'm getting 24%. Who cares if I'm paying the insurance company five because I'm over here making 24%. So I'm just working the spread and the arbitrage on those dollars all day long. Now, some of y'all are thinking, well, Hannah, well, why do I got to pay interest? You know, because this is my money, right? Why do I got to pay interest on my money? Well, no, you're not using your money. When you call up to the insurance company and you take out a policy loan, you're putting your policy up for collateral and you're taking a loan from the general funds of the insurance company. So we're using their money out here in the real world, which then allows our money to sit in the policy to grow and compound as if it was never even touched. So why I like to use the policy loans to go and make my investments is because I just sum it up and I say I'm double dipping on the dollar. I'm always making money in the policy. It's growing uninterrupted, guaranteed interest. And I'm making money over here in the investment deal that I'm doing. So in response to that comment, someone says his name is Ed, Ed, blah, 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 Edward. There we go. Mr. Edwards states, in response to the comment above, why would you even use the policy loan if you repay it immediately? Why not keep that cash value available to you for a future opportunity? Even if you take a loan out and repay it immediately, you're going to pay some amount of interest for no reason. So I like this thought. I mean, it's a good thought. I do like it. And here's my take on it. What I do on a monthly basis is any money, any money that's sitting inside of my commercial checking accounts down at the local bank, if I see that there's more than my three months of overhead expenses down at the local bank, I am not just going to have that money sit there at the local bank and the bankers can make the profits off of my money. And if you really think your money is backed up by the FDIC, we're going to have to have a come to Jesus meeting right now. All right. I talk all about that. Actually, there was a gentleman. He messaged me on Facebook the other day. Uh, we're, we're good friends. He's a member and a client of mine. And he's, he sends me over this Facebook reel and he says, Hannah, I saw this and I thought of you and is talking all about, uh, the FDIC bullcrap and what the Federal Reserve is doing right now with no money back there on their reserves. And he says, it made me think of you. And I, I felt kind of honored. I was like, thank you. Y'all been listening to me. So for this person, you know, yeah, if you go in and you take out a policy loan and then you go back and you repay it back immediately, I mean, yeah, you're going to pay one month of interest by doing so, assuming you have that policy money outstanding for one month. But what I do is, is that if I have no active use for the capital inside of my checking account at the local bank, no other investments to buy, no other expenses that I have, and kind of the, the thumb, what's it called? The, the rule of thumb. There we go. The rule of thumb that I like to follow is 
if I'm not going to be using the money within a 60 day time period, 60 to 90 days, we can say, then I will take the money and I will just go and simply pay back the policy loans. So then I'm storing it inside of that safe protected asset and nobody can touch that money besides me, myself and I. So that's what I do. I'm always going back in there and I'm paying back my policy loans if I have no immediate use for it or active use for the money to go out there and work harder for me. Because y'all, this is what my mom has taught me. Your dollars, they are your little green men. And the whole objective is take these little green men and go and put it to work for you so that you're, you create an army of green men out there working for you so that you no longer have to go and work for it. And that's what I want y'all to do. Okay, you can now see a stack of books in front of me. <laughs> I had to just uh, go run to the van real quick and I wanted to show y'all some books that I would recommend getting into and reading because here's our last comment I want to talk about. Whew, I'm a little out of breath. Just had to walk up that little hill there. So this one is from Hilda Lopez and Hilda is asking, Hannah, can you please post the books you have ordered? I'm creating a collection for my kiddo to learn and follow me in this journey. So here are some books that I want to give y'all that I think would be really, really good. So there's a book called Rocket Fuel. And Rocket Fuel is written by Gino Wickman and Mark Winters. Great book for the business. Here's the book that I mentioned just a little bit earlier in the episode. Understanding Money Mechanics, Robert Murphy. I'm going to get back to this one. This one, The One Truth. This book is written by John Gordon. Elevate your mind, unlock your power, heal your soul. This one is a great book. I'm currently reading this one right now. This one we've talked quite a lot about, especially if you follow Devin Burr. Devin Burr is a mentor on my team. Go, go check Devin Burr out. Shout out to him on TikTok, YouTube. He's got a podcast show, Mr. Burr. M-R underscore B-R-R-R. Go look him up on his social medias, Instagram as well. This one is called The Go-Giver. This is a very popular book I've noticed because um, I'll be carrying it around and people will stop me in the airport or when I'm at my masterminds and things, people will see I'll have this. And this one's really good. A little story about a powerful business idea. It's not very big too. So The Go-Giver, I highly recommend. I'm going to come back to that one. This one, shout out to Drew Hitchcock. Uh, he actually gave me this book, Built to Serve. Find your purpose and become the leader you were born to be. This one is written by Evan Carmichael. So this was a really, really good book too. So Built to Serve, Evan Carmichael. Um, Identity Shift. So this one, Upgrade How You Operate to Elevate Your Life. This one's by Anthony Trucks. So great book here. And UOU by Eric Thomas. Ignite your power and your purpose and your why. So this one, UOU, uh, great book as well. There's another one back at home that's sitting on my shelf and I wish I brought it with me. I want to say it's 
understanding your why by Steve Stark, I want to say it is. Um, it's sitting on my shelf at home, but I believe it's called Understanding Your Why. That's another great book just for personal development, business development, and those aspects of life. But I also kind of wanted to add in some fun books too. I want to shout out one of my best girlfriends. Her name is Sadie. Sadie lives up in Jacksonville. And Sadie, she turned me on to the author Gillian Flynn. So what I do is I actually, at the same time, I read two books at the same time. One is a fiction book and one is a nonfiction book. And so I'll start with my nonfiction read. And then when I kind of get a little, I don't know, not bored of it but you know I just kind of want something a little bit more spicier then I switched to my fiction novel and so I've been really into the author Gillian Flynn um, she's actually the author of Gone Girl if y'all have heard about that uh, movie they created a movie about it but uh, actually for Christmas one year she gave me three different books from Gillian Flynn and Sadie is so cute I don't know if y'all can see this but she actually put like little sticky notes in it. And she says, all right, you got to start with this one first, then this one second, then this one third. And sorry, Sadie, I kind of read them a little out of order. So I started with the first one. Then I went to the third one, which was Gone Girl. And then now I'm on this one called Sharp Objects. So Sharp Objects, Gillian Flynn. This has been a great book. I read Dark Places, Gone Girl. And then my next one from her is The Grown Up. So I plan on reading that one soon. So for my mystery novels, I mean, I love her writing style. And then lastly, I found this book actually at a um, pop-up shop. Like I was in, I don't even remember where I was at. It was just like a little art like festival going on. And I just, I remember I was in town for business and I found this book. It's called The Little Book of Life Hacks. How to Make Your Life Happier, Healthier, and More Beautiful by Yumi Sagua. I'm totally butching that. All right, I failed grammar. Don't come after me. Um, but Yumi, and it looks like this, the little book of life hacks. So this one was really, really cool. So clever little ways to improve your daily life. So that's my stack of books I wanted to give to y'all and to recommend to anybody around my age. I mean, older than me or to your children, Hilda. So go out there and read those books. Uh-oh, and it seemed like my phone died, so that was a perfect way to end this. So keep leaving me your comments. I'm going to keep doing these types of episodes where I go through, I compile a list of the YouTube comment questions, and I'll be here to help educating and keep serving y'all. So I really appreciate you guys for always tuning in every single week. I'm hopefully delivering a lot of value and helping you as you grow yourself, your business, your family, because that's what it's all about. It's all about the community and helping to serve others because if you help enough people get what they want you in return will get what you want so thanks for tuning in i'll catch y'all next week see you